Bismarck's domestic policies in Germany between 1871 and 1890 were in reality a failure. To what extent do you agree with this statement? So we all know that for German unification, Bismarck's statesmanship was a key factor. He was very important. But when it comes to his latter domestic policies, Bismarck's success is debatable. He was a monarchist who was also conservative and militaristic, always focused on developing his own powerful Prusso-German empire. These domestic policies were a failed attempt to unite the German people under the new state. So in this podcast, we will analyze Bismarck's tensions with the national liberals, the creation and results of the culture camp, the constitution of the Second Reich, economic change in Germany, and his attempts to stop socialism, as well as state socialism. So let's begin by looking at the national liberals. His relationship with the national liberals was debatable, was yes. complicated. Um, the success of his policies, policies were indeed relative. Um, as a very militaristic leader, he wished to spend the federal budget on an army of over 400,000 men. This was opposed by the national liberals as it threatened to decrease their monetary powers in the Reichstag. That was actually what Bismarck was trying to do, continuously um, decrease uh, national liberal influence within the Reichstag so he would have power to overthrow them. So Bismarck accused them of undermining German military strength and he threatened to call for new elections. But then this stance was too autocratic and in this scenario it can be regarded as a failure. Because he was unable to promote diplomacy towards the national liberals that with the majority in the Reichstag impeded the success and effectiveness of his um, domestic policies. And yeah, so he had to come to a consensus with them. After all, he was able to fix the military budget for seven years at a time, rather than voted on annually or fixed permanently. This is an indicator of relative success of his policies. And nevertheless, he as a monarchist felt deeply unsuccessful as he still depended on the liberals to effectuate his policies. Well, he was happy to split the liberals as they wanted too much democracy. So he was happy to come up with that sort of more balanced conclusion. It was not a problem for him as he was able to form a strong alliance with them during his government. However, but it can be regarded as a failure like for, Germany's, for Germany's development as a more liberal state, if we're looking at it through that lens. Yeah. So moving on to culture camp, which was his policy to oppress the Catholics in Germany. Um, it was unsuccessful as popular opposition for him grew. His policies, such as the Falk laws, the expatriation law and the monastery laws, portrayed him as brutal and dictatorial, leading to a strong support for the center party in Germany. He had chosen the wrong enemy, as even the Kaiser was against his policies. It's sort of created disunity inside the country. And according to William Carr, the culture camp left Catholics with a distrust for the states, which was to last for years, cultivating a political aversion and tension in the country. Yeah, even Bismarck realized his failure with culture camp. Because in order to strengthen the dual alliance with Austria after the Triple Alliance had been dissolved, um, Bismarck deemed it necessary to reduce the restrictions of the culture camp. So he actually went back on, on his policy 
uh, to strengthen his relationship yeah, with Austria. Yeah, he, he noticed he had painted them as victims, so he had to sort of turn back the clock and try to revert those policies. But of course, it was something that had already been like, you know, implemented in German society, so we can assert that he duly failed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, his attack on socialism was no more successful than his attack on the church. Yeah, rather than subduing these groups, his efforts intensifies their aspirations. Bismarck claimed socialism was a red conspiracy to destroy values and institutions of the new Reich. He dissolves the Reichstag, called for new elections, and he successfully passed anti-socialist legislation. Their publications, trade unions, and meetings were dissolved. And you know what they say, right? Once you tell the socialists they can't act up, they That's become more inclined. Yes, because it also suggests that maybe the things they are saying make sense, and that's why they are a threat. This was a pattern in Bismarck's policies. When he tried to oppress the Catholics, they only wanted more. When he tried to oppress the socialists, they only wanted more. So that's why he kept failing with these policies. Yeah, and then the socialists and their beliefs were fortified, and the Social Democratic Party went underground, which I think, like in a sense, even opens more space for them to come up with more threatening policies. I don't know. Um, these repressive measures taken by Bismarck helps to increase support for the socialists and ensure that the more moderate and the revolutionary factions remains united. Yes. Because they, they couldn't come up with these like more specific objectives as to what they wanted to achieve as parties. So the party grew in that sense because yes. people just had this like general need to remain together. And they were united against Bismarck's oppressive policies, right? Yeah. Just one more reason for them to unite against Bismarck. So according to William Carr again, Bismarck had completely failed to bring the socialists to heel. Worst of all, his blundering, ill-conceived policy had seriously retarded the integration of the growing working class into the new Reich. His attempt to eliminate the socialists was accompanied by a more subtle effort to win the loyalty of the working classes through state socialism. He took several more, uh, I'd say, like left-wing measures such as the Sickness Insurance Act, the Old Age and Disability Act, and the Accident Insurance Act, which were all designed to assist German workers in time of need. A mere joke, right? Because they were paying for their own things and they weren't even using it. it yeah. It was kind of his like, illusion of helping, his illusion of appeasing the, the socialists, which wasn't doing actually sense, anything well, at all. He was successful in, in creating the first like welfare program in Europe. And Eric Wilmot argues that it was a great pioneering effort. But I would agree with you that there is ground to claim that it was just a populist strategy to halt the working classes from socialism. And he was offering them sort of a, a more modest state in the empire. He himself, Bismarck, stated that whoever has a pension for his old age, he is much more content and easier to handle than the person who has no prospects. So it's just saying that he, one who had the uh, opportunity or the possibility to have these measures would be more easy to deal with, with, with than one who doesn't. Yeah, he was trying to implement a sort of like pen and circus, you know, just like appealing the people. But the socialist perceives the policies as crumbs from the rich man's table. He could offer them much more, but he was going for this like very modest in their opinion, like yes. 
policies which didn't appeal to them at all. It, it even fueled their dissatisfaction with the so the SPD becoming a disciplined and highly organized mass party, which it wasn't before. Yeah, and and like his policies didn't deal with fundamental issues like wages, condition, and working hours. And it could be argued that one of the reasons Germany went to war in 1914 was to take attention away from the economic and social tensions at home. So like this just shows how his state socialism was just like a, a really like a populist strategy, which didn't really achieve any anything in Germany. But indeed, um, Germany's economic situation was something that Bismarck had to handle as well. Despite the recession caused by the economic crash of 1873, the economy was recovered through Bismarck's domestic policies. He stirred industrial production through the investment in technology, also establishing a national currency and setting up the Reichsbank. Um, this rapidly industrializing economy created a conflict for Bismarck between liberal trade and protectionism. But when dealing with the trade depression for tariffs on Germany, um, on German agriculture, he was pushed to introduce protectionist policies to minimize the fragile dependence on foreign grain. That's where we see his diplomacy co coming in yeah. hand. Like he understood that it was time for Germany to apply protectionism. It was the time. And um, he passes the, the tariff act. Yes, right? and this was all in the aim of making Germany more self-sufficient and expanding its autarky, right? <laughs> so in that sense, would you say the economic policies were uh, successful? Yeah, I believe they were. It consolidated unification between the northern and southern states through the tariff acts. It was the alliance of steel and rye. So the industrialists and the landowners began seeking the states for protection of their jobs, thus viewing Bismarck in a positive light, right? So as a result, in the elections, 1878 elections in the Reichstag, the national liberals, they lost 29 seats, allowing the combined strength of the two conservative parties enough to outvote them in the Reichstag. This was an important result of his economic policies. Yeah. Um, they were successful as they not only industrialized Germany, but they also gave Bismarck the means and powers to overrule within the Reichstag. Yes, that's what that that was the outcome. It gave Bismarck the power in the Reichstag to overrule the National Liberals, something that he needed. Yeah, to effectuate his power in Germany at the time. Then the last factor we're going to address is the Constitution. Um, which enforced Prussian conservatism. The Constitution, I think, really embodies this idea of Bismarck creating several illusions for the people in order to appease them and make them believe he was doing something he wasn't actually doing. Yeah, like, doubtlessly, he appealed to the liberals as uh, he allowed Reichstag elections and the freedom to form political parties. It also granted the Reichstag control and power over the government's budget, allowing the states to maintain a level of self-administration while still remaining under Prussian control. So yeah, uh, indeed, the German parliament was dominated by Prussian influences, and Bismarck made clear he would use the Prussian military not for internal suppression, but for the liberal goal of achieving national unification. 
The Constitution was designed to give the Chancellor ultimate authority and ensure autocracy in the German Confederation. The Constitution succeeded in appeasing the people with the illusion of a democratic state while still keeping Prussia as its matrix, and yeah. that was not it, good at all. It succeeded in that sense, right? But when yeah. we, but in we the long term consider talking, yeah. German as a, Germany as a liberal state, then it's clear that um, the Constitution was not so good in the long term. Yes. We can even establish the sort of Sonderweg argument that this anti-democratic route in, mm -hmm. in Germany ultimately led to the Third Reich. Yes. So essentially, even though Bismarck's constitution achieved its aim of Prussian conservatism, uh, the culture camp, his anti-socialism and state socialism can all be considered failed domestic policies. Yeah, despite some of them being important in the modernization of Germany and Europe as a whole, such as the first welfare states through his state socialism. And the economic policies as well, which yeah. were like successful in a Bismarck sense. failed in the sense that he was unable to promote unity amongst himself and the parties as he dealt with opposition aggressively, impeding the effectiveness of his domestic policies. In all, it may be concluded that the nature of his domestic policies was rather unsuccessful.